Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul, taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Our life is dynamic. It's vibrant, it's dynamic, we're constantly growing, we're constantly changing, we're constantly being recreated. And everything that happened in our past is also being recreated because that's part of our life. You can't pretend it didn't happen. It's part of your life. And therefore, as you grow, as you go from one level to the higher level, so maybe in a previous level, your repentance was adequate. Imagine, take for example, if you're wearing a dark suit. Okay, so a little stain won't show up. But imagine as your suit gets lighter and lighter, and suddenly you're wearing a pure white silk, <laughs> silk suit. The smallest speck suddenly shows up. So when you were in a lower level, the repentance was adequate. You wiped away the stain. There was a huge stain, which is glaringly obvious. You wiped it away. Now you're fine, you're fit, you're clean, you're perfect. But then as you grow up, suddenly that becomes inadequate because now you have a much finer suit and now even a smaller stain that before you could hardly even see it and now, and now suddenly it shows up. So in general, life moves on. You have to grow. You know, what was good enough yesterday is not good enough today. Imagine a child comes to shul with a new suit, showing off the new suit, Shabbos, beautiful suit that fits them perfectly. They're so proud. Everyone compliments the child and the suit. But if three years later he walks into the shul with the same suit and the sleeve reaches up the ear and the pants reaches just past his knees, he's wondering why everyone is looking at him. But it was a good suit three years ago. Yes, three years ago it was a perfect suit. It fit you perfectly, but you're three years older. You've grown and now it no longer fits. So it's, not, it's no longer a fit. Yes, that was a good shuva. It was a perfect teshuva, it was a perfect return and repentance for the level you were at three years ago. But now, as you advance, as you go higher, you have to revisit that experience, that event. And now it requires a deeper level of teshuva, because that event will never really disappear. You can't pretend that something happened in your life didn't happen. So if you've done something wrong in your life, it's there, and it will remain with you for the rest of your life. The question is how you deal with it. The process of teshuva is reaching into your past and changing that negative into a positive. Either neutralizing that negative or in a higher level, transforming, changing the negative into a positive. And that worked. Three years ago it worked. Or the level you were at previously it worked. But now you've advanced. You've taken a quantum leap forward. You're on a much higher level. So now that event now is coming back to haunt you. Because the way you dealt with it a few years ago or in your previous level, that doesn't work anymore. It requires something much deeper. You have to revisit and you have to, you have to find a much deeper place inside of you, a much deeper level of repentance. You know, the Hebrew word for year, shana, comes from the word to repeat. Because we're constantly repeating. So the negatives are repeated, but also the positive is repeated. So now that the negative shows up again, you have to repeat the teshuva. The teshuva that you did three years ago was not inadequate. Now you need a higher level of teshuva, which is one of the reasons why there's a mitzvah in the Torah to do teshuva at least once a year on Yom Kippur. What if a person went through the entire year and, and didn't sin? I was forgiven last Yom Kippur. Why do I need Yom Kippur? Why, what's the big deal about Yom Kippur? And the answer is because I'm a year older and a year advanced, so the sins 
of the previous year that Yom Kippur forgave, now I need a whole new level of repentance. I need a whole... I have to revisit that whole thing and I have to reach a much deeper level of reconciliation and have a reconciliation reorganizing on a much higher level and a much deeper level. You know, it's not unlike life. That's the process of life. There's always, as much as you advance, every level you advance, you discover, you have to reach a higher level of, of, um, of integration because the previous answer worked on a lower level. Now you reach a higher level, suddenly that answer doesn't work anymore. I need a deeper answer, a deeper explanation. And as you grow, you'll always need a deeper explanation. And the question will always come back in a more complex form. It gets more and more complex. Every level that you go, it gets more complex. And then the answer also gets more, um, you know, the uh, integration also is much deeper and more satisfying and more whole. So this is an ongoing process. So whatever happens in our life is dynamic, it's vibrant, it's ongoing, it's constantly being recreated. And so even if you did an adequate shuva, that was adequate then, but now it's not adequate. And therefore I have to, it requires a whole new level of the shuva. Now that you see that your life is suddenly blocked, you feel apathy, indifference, and spiritually closed, your heart shuts down. So obviously, that sin or that negative experience in the past is not coming back to haunt me. Perhaps in the past I have neutralized that negative experience and, that, and I've even transformed it into a positive. And I was able to go forward and grow. But now that I find my path of spirituality is blocked and my heart just is, is closed, obviously that negative energy is pulling me down. Because anything that we do in our lives has an, has an effect on us. Negative experience in our life or negative a sin creates a negative energy and, and, and um, blocks our path to growth and actually pulls us down. So, obviously I need now, I need to deal with it once again and I have to discover a deeper place and able to be able to overcome this negative, negative energy. I have to find a much deeper level, a much deeper, deeper place inside of me in order to be able to go forward. So that's, that's the, bad, the biggest proof. If we need any proof. That's how we can personally experience how that negativity didn't go away. Maybe it went away for a while because we dealt with it adequately for the level we're at today. But now obviously we're in a higher level and it's a signal. It's a signal from God. It's a positive signal. It's not a negative. It's a positive thing. God is saying, listen, Time to grow up. Time to move on. You're ready for the next level. You're stagnating. You're, you're, being, you're straight-jacketing yourself. Time to go. Time to move on. So this, this sudden blockage and obstacle, and it, it appears to be negative, but it's really, it's really a, a, healthy, a healthy sign that, come on, you've outgrown that stage. You've graduated that stage. Move on already. You can't go back to first grade. Come on, you, you can't do it over and over again. It's time to move on to second grade. You've done that, been there, come on. Time to take the next quantum leap forward. It's time to make a, a, a push forward. As dramatic as the change was the first time, when you did the shuva, changing your negative into a positive, that was a quantum leap. That was a dramatic movement forward. It wasn't just a gradual growth from step to step. It was a dramatic transformation. Now you're ready for the next dramatic transformation. It's time to, to leap forward. So it's, it's a healthy thing, it's a good thing. It's a helpful sign. It's like the story, the two people had a bet. 
they can make the donkey move without hitting the donkey, just by speaking to the donkey. It's fine, a hundred dollar bet. He walks to the donkey, he says, move. <laughs> Might as well be talking to the wall. Nothing. Move, go, nothing. Finally, he takes his, takes his stick and hits the donkey. And as he hits it, he says, go. And the donkey moves. And he turns to his friend, okay, give me the hundred dollars. I made the donkey move. He says, no, no, no. The bet was you can make the donkey move just by speaking to the donkey. You hit the donkey. He says, no, you don't understand. The donkey moved because I spoke to the donkey. I just hit it to get his attention. <laughs> once, once I got his attention, then he heard me. When he says, go, oh, now I hear you. So that's, that's the inner donkey within us. When our donkey is so coarse and so grotesque, and we just stop hearing, we stop listening. Not only do we stop, li- we stop listening to ourselves. We stop hearing our soul, we stop hearing ourselves, our, our inner voice, our true voice. We just stop listening. And we don't respond anymore. We become unreachable. So what do you do with a donkey that's not listening? Or can't listen, or lost his ability to listen? He's apathetic, indifferent, couldn't care less. You gotta give a slap. And the wise person doesn't wait for God to slap us. Because unfortunately God knows how to slap when he wants. But we slap ourselves. Better slap yourself. Sober yourself up. And that's what the Rebbe is giving us. Precious advice. This is priceless advice. An antidote to our crassness, our coarseness, our selfishness, self-centeredness, our apathy, indifference. He says, slap yourself up. And no harm will come to it. This is, this is all healthy. This is all good. Because the only thing you're slapping is you're slapping the donkey. You're not slapping your real self. Your real self is trapped inside that donkey. You can't... You can't it has no outlet. You can't access it. You stop feeling. You become numb. You don't feel anymore. You don't respond anymore to normal feelings and normal stimulation. So let, we have to get you back on the road to, you, to your humanity. Start feeling again. Respark, rekindle that feeling, that relationship, that excitement that we all have. We all have and we all would like to have a relationship with God. And, you know, like in any other relationship, there's an excitement, there's a thrill, it's, it's a real relationship. But once you become so apathetic and indifferent and, and you couldn't care less, then it's very, very hard to break through. So you have to crack through that arrogance. And one of the ways of cracking through that arrogance is reminding yourself, just reminding yourself of all those moments that we're not proud of. All those youthful indiscretions, all those things that we did in our past that all those skeletons in the closet that we're not proud of. Hopefully it's only in the past. <laughs> but um, all the things that uh, we're not so proud of. And you know, you can deflate, deflate this, this false facade, this false persona, this false exaggerated ego that we've created as a, def- as a defense. And it really doesn't protect us. It's really not doing us any good. So deflate it. Deflate the balloon. And by deflating your balloon then your inner heart will be able to emerge. And then you'll be able to feel once again and build this relationship and go forward joyfully with excitement, with, with feeling. With... Even if, let's say, on the surface, a person doesn't find anything wrong with himself. He honestly looks at his life. He's the master accountant. He cares about his life and he's looking honestly and objectively. And just like, you have to be honest. You have to know 
to your strengths and you have to know your weaknesses. Being, doing an accounting doesn't mean finding fault where there is no fault. Not being false. Not putting yourself down just for the sake of putting yourself down. But uh, assessing yourself honestly, objectively. Knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. Just like a person has to be honest, you have to know your weaknesses, you also have to be honest and you have to know your strengths. Honesty works both ways. You can't just be honest about all the negatives. <laughs> you have to be honest about the positives too. So you have to be honest, you have to know yourself, uh, your strengths, you have to strengthen your strengths, appreciate your strengths, strengthen them, be grateful for them, continue to grow in your strength. Then you also have to know your weak spots, your vulnerable spots. Those that could be fixed need to be fixed. Those that are ruined have to be, you have to get them out of your life. Those negative behaviors, toxic behavior, that don't add anything, that are completely toxic and negative, you have to cut out from your life. Um, they can't be redeemed. So you have to, it's like taking apart something that's not working. So that you take it apart. There are things that are good, you put it in one pile. There are things that are broken, you're drunk, you throw them out. And then there are things that need to be fixed. So when a person is honest with himself, you have to know your strengths and continue doing what you're doing and do it even better and stronger and deeper. And, and you, have, you have to know those things that are toxic and just you have to cut out of your life. They're not redeemable. If you're speaking slander or you're telling lies, you're doing things that are just wrong, toxic, slice it out of your life. And then you have the things in your life that need, need fixing. So let's say a person is honest with himself. He does a real accounting, like the master, and he didn't do anything wrong. He has no youthful indiscretion. As a matter of fact, godliness does permeate his life. He's always thinking about Hashem before he eats, he makes a blessing before, and he benches after, and he's constantly thinking, and he's constantly injecting an awareness of God. I'm eating to have the strength in order to serve God. And he goes about his business, he's thinking, I'm God's em uh, emissary, ambassador, I'm representing him, and by carrying myself, and living a, a moral, ethical, and spiritual life, I'm teaching by example. He looks at his life, he says, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong. I don't understand why suddenly my heart clogged up. Why suddenly this apathy and this indifference and I stopped caring. I don't understand why. So the Alter Rebbe says, he says, let's take a look under the hood. Let's look what's going on subconsciously. You want to know what a person is all about? Let's take a look at the person's dreams. The dreams are very revealing. The dreams reveal what's really going on. Because maybe, you know, you're just aware of yourself, your conscious self. But there's a lot more going on than meets the eye. And perhaps you're blocking out that part within you, and you're just not, it's not accessible to you, and it's not available to you, but dreams are a giveaway. What are you dreaming about? What's the content of your dreams? Because you dream, the dreams are based on the way you've lived, how you've lived your life that day. So if a person led a spiritual life, a deep life, he spent the day, and it was a meaningful day, and it was an uplifting day, and it was a deep day, and the dreams will also be of a different caliber. You'll dream. The dreams will inspire you. They'll be wholesome dreams, powerful dreams, informative dreams, good dreams, pleasant dreams. But if the dreams are... You're not dreaming of Torah in your dreams. <laughs> you're not dreaming of of holiness, you're not dreaming of the Rebbe in your dreams, of holy people. 
what are you dreaming? You're dreaming about Wall Street. <laughs> you're dreaming about business in your dreams. Or you're dreaming just non nonsensical dreams. That tells me that your soul, it tells yourself that your soul is so far away, so removed from anything godly and holy. That you're practically delusional. You think you're so good and so perfect. But the truth is, what's really going on inside, you're so far removed from holiness and godliness. It's not really part of you. Because the dream is a moment of truth. The dream is when you can really find out where's the person really at. Where's your mind really at? What are you really into? What's really going on inside? And shockingly, externally, it's a perfect picture. But that's the problem. It's a picture. It's artificial. It's not real. The proof is, the dream is a moment of truth. That's the real you. And sadly, where's the real you at? What's on your mind? What are you dreaming of? What are you yearning for? What do you care about? It's not Torah, it's not mitzvah, it's not godliness, it's not God. You're dreaming and yearning about materialism. That's what your life is all about. So you should be ashamed of yourself. You should be embarrassed. And that's enough to crush you because it's, it's almost like a false, this, you created this false persona. You, you're delusional. You're deluding yourself. You're being dishonest with yourself. You're so disconnected that you don't even realize how disconnected you are. And you're fooling yourself thinking you're perfect. And look how far you are. You're so far. The dream is a window. It's a window into your soul. It's a window into your subconscious. It's a gift that God gave us. You can really tell where a person is at from his dreams. Because a dream is not rational and conscious. When you're rational and conscious, you can control. So sometimes you're so controlling that you create this persona. And it's perfect. Picture perfect. That's exactly what it is. It's picture perfect. It's false. There's nobody home. And then the dream reveals what's really going on, the real you. And it's not so pretty. And that's enough to shake your heart. That's enough to really, to really crush you and, and like really put, put yourself into place and say, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, I, I better start all over again. Something is, something is off here. Something is totally wrong. There's such a... There's such a dissonance, there's such a disconnect between reality and, and this let's pretend world, this, this Disney world that I've created, this let's pretend everything is smiling and everything is wonderful. You know, it, it, it's, it's a let's pretend. It's Mickey Mouse. This is not real. So I, bet, I better wake up. I better get my act together. I have to start. I didn't even start yet. I'm content and satisfied and so proud. What am, who am I kidding? I better start. I better start. I have to go back to first grade. I have to go back into diapers and start all over again. So this is humbling. This, is, this can get through to a person. When a person realizes this and you wake up and you realize, you know, I'm so far off. How, how could I be so delusional? How could I be so far off? How can I kid myself? Because dreams don't lie. I can delude myself and think I'm perfect, but then comes along a dream and says, wait a minute, wake up. The dream is a wake-up call. It's the alarm clock ringing. Hello. It's like the story of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakeh. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakeh in his deathbed, he was 120 years old. When he was 80 years old, he became the leader of the Jewish people. He led the Jewish people during the destruction of the Second Temple. And basically, the Jewish people survived because of him. And at his deathbed, his students saw him crying. He says, Rabbi, why are you crying? 
He says, because I don't know which path they're going to lead me once I pass away. Am I going to the right or am I going to the left? Am I going to Ganeidin, to the Garden of Eden, or am I going to hell? The question is, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai doesn't know which path he's being led on. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was like a reincarnation of Moses. He also lived 120 years and he led the Jewish people for 40 years. And in such a critical time in history, and his students were the greatest leading rabbis of the Talmud. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai doesn't know which path he's going to lead him, whether the Garden of Eden or the other path. What's going on here? And the answer is, one of the explanations is, Rabbi Yechelen ben Zakkai knew, on a conscious level, he's perfect. He was picture perfect. It doesn't get better than that. Ideal. Rabbi Yechelen ben Zakkai says, but what's really going on inside of me, inside of myself? Subconsciously, where am I really at? Maybe on the, it's a facade. It's Disney World. Everyone is smiling. It looks beautiful. How do, I know? How do I know it's real? Where am I really at? I don't know what's going on inside. Maybe my soul, deep down, I could be rotten, corrupt. I could be so far off. I could be so, so, my mind is not into it. My heart is not into it. It's not the real me. He says, I don't know. Just because 120 years externally I did the right thing, I don't know what's going on inside. So when I come to heaven, the world of souls, I don't know which way my soul is, which, where my soul is at. And that's a very sobering thought. And he was crying. He started to cry. It's enough to crush you. So a person who's so taken by himself and so satisfied and content and, and nothing can get through to him because he's become so arrogant and indifferent and, and couldn't care, stopped caring, stopped feeling that, that, that love and that relationship to God and that connection, that eagerness, that, that enthusiasm, that excitement, that hunger that thirst for godliness, you better start taking a good look at yourself. Look in the mirror. An honest look in the mirror. Now, the Rebbe says, and if, if you can't find anything, let's open the hood. Look at your dreams. See where you're really at. Where's your mind really at? Where's your heart really at? Where's the real you? Who are you? Do you really even know yourself? Or are you so delusional, you have no clue, you're so disconnected from reality? And that's, if a person is honest, it's enough to make you cry. Abiyotlum and Zakeh started crying. And that will crush the arrogance. That will break through the heart. You're crying. You're feeling. You're in touch. You're connected. Now the hunger returns. That, that, that enthusiasm, that thirst for godliness, that hunger, you can't get enough Torah and mitzvot, and, 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 and you, want to be, you want to go deeper and more genuine. Now, now, you, now you're back in. Now you're alive again. Now the heart, the blood is circulating. You're healthy. You're vibrant. You're spiritually healthy and vibrant once again. If you're really trying to atone, and let's say you've, you've really learned your lesson, does it weigh upon you now to um, seek every opportunity to help somebody else to teach them, or is it better to just be quiet and just be generous and forgiving? Well, it's, it's uh, whatever weak point you had, whatever vulnerable spot you had, it's like a, 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 a rope that was torn. So when you tie the two parts of the rope, you tie a double knot, because now that you know that this is the weak point of the rope, it's not enough, one knot is not enough, because it, it, it tore, it's ripped apart. You have to doubly strengthen it. 
So whichever part in your life that you were weak, that part you have to focus on and doubly strengthen it. You know, like uh, pay back or make up for all that. So to strengthen that area in your life, whichever area in your life that was weak that you're repenting on, that's the area in your life that you should really strengthen and doubly, doubly strengthen. So the mitzvah should be expressed in that aspect, in that area. Right, right. So obviously that mitzvah, that particular mitzvah that you weaken, that's the mitzvah that you should, that you should strengthen yourself uh, most. And, uh, but in general, in general, in all, all of the mitzvot, whatever you, you do with a lot more intensity, a lot more power and force than the one who always grew up in the straight and the narrow, the one who was never challenged, the one who never had to overcome that negativity. Um, so there, there, there's an oomph to the mitzvah, there's an intensity, a depth, a power, a force that the tzaddik can never possibly experience. That's why we see that when does the, holy, when does the high priest, the holiest Jew, enter uh, in the holiest day of the year into the holiest spot on earth? One day, on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is all about teshuvah. So where the tzaddik is not allowed in, the tzaddik is never allowed in to the holy of holies. On Yom Kippur, through the power of Teshuvah, it propels you into the innermost chamber, into the Holy of Holies. Because the mitzvah that you're doing when you do Teshuvah has such intensity to it, has such hunger to it, there's such a hunger and there's such a yearning and there's such a, a, an intensity, a power, a force that the tzaddik can never, ever possibly achieve. And um, when the soul is in heaven, the soul can never possibly achieve such intensity, such, such a depth. And that's why the negative is transformed into positive. Because it's without that negativity, you would have never have arrived here. You would never have reached this level. So the negative itself becomes the impetus for the positive. So by reaching the level of Teshuvah, you've transformed, you've reached into your past and transformed that negative experience into a positive. Not that that goes away, but instead of being a negative experience and it drags you down... That negative energy, now it emits positive energy. That negative experience from now on will emit positive energy until you feel your heart is clogged again. You become apathetic again or different. That's a signal. It's wearing off. The negativity is returning. Because whatever level of transformation you had doesn't work anymore. You're much higher. You're much more is expected of you. So now you have to propel yourself once again with a newfound level of intensity to once again not only neutralize that negative event and experience, but once again transform it into positive. Because when a person does something wrong, it's not enough just to ignore that. You have to, you have to pay back. You have to pay God back for, for all the neg- negative things that we've done, all the negative energy that we've wasted, all that positive energy we've wasted, now negative experience. So it's time you have to pay back and you have to restore that energy into the positive. So now that it's wearing off, and the proof that it's wearing off is because once again my heart is clogged again and I feel indifferent again. I lost the excitement and the hunger and the thirst and the seeking and the spirituality and now I'm just indifferent and bored and I couldn't care. And uh, you know, That's the biggest signal. It's time to wake up. Time to move on. <laughs> Kabbalah and the Psychology of the Soul taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky.